Hey guys, welcome back to the Live Podcast with me, your host, Rachel Melma. I hope you all had a great weekend and I'm excited for today's episode because today we're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and learning about the importance of glorifying God, not just with our mouths, but also with our bodies. If you don't know much about the book of 1 Corinthians, I'll give you a little bit of context. 1 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth, which is in Greece near Athens today. In its day around 50 AD, ancient Corinth had a reputation for luxury and sexual immorality, especially prostitution. Corinth was also the site of the temple of Aphrodite, which was the Roman goddess of love. The Corinthians were very proud of their knowledge and they thought of themselves as very spiritually mature. But in this letter, Paul talks about the differences between what worldly wisdom is and what spiritual wisdom is. In chapter 6, you'll see that Paul is addressing the issues that makes the Church of Corinth a divided and disgraced church. There was sin in the church and everyone knew about it, and the church was very slow to do anything about it. Because of this, the church was quickly losing its testimony and reputation in the city. People who don't worship God or believe in God or believe in Jesus, they knew about the sexual immorality that was happening in the church, and they knew all about the lawsuits that were involved with the members of the church also. The society back then was very similar to today's society when it comes to sexuality. Sex is a normal function, a normal physical function, so why not use it as you please? I've talked about it in other episodes, but again, Paul points out that God created sex when he first made man and woman, and therefore he has the right to tell us how to use it. The Bible is almost like God's owner's manual to life, or like I've said in previous episodes, it's like a compass that points us in the right and wholesome way to live. God completely disapproves of sexual sins, and Paul names some of them in verse 9 of chapter 6. In that day, idolatry and sensuality were hand in hand, but God can cleanse and heal those who are trapped in sexual sin, and he can make them into new creations in Christ. Verse 11 says, Now the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and the power of God's Spirit have washed you and made you holy and acceptable to God. It almost sounds like a transaction happening if you think about it. Because of all that God has done for those people, they have an obligation to God to use their bodies for his service and his glory. I go more into this in the episode called Sorry to Disappoint You that came out a while ago. If you're definitely interested in this topic, I would suggest that you listen to that episode also. So anyway, let's read verses 12 to 14. They say this, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, and the stomach for food, and God will do away with them both. However, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. God raised up the Lord, and he will also raise us up by his power. So God created our bodies, and in the view of that fact, our bodies have such a beautiful and wonderful origin, and an even more amazing future. So with that knowledge, how can we use them for not very good things? Things that might even harm us, even though we think that they're good in the moment. The Corinthians had two main arguments to defend their sensuality. First was that everything is permissible for me, meaning that we can do whatever we want to. Even today, this is a very popular phrase to say, but it's based on a false view of what Christian freedom is. As Christians, Jesus didn't die to set us free from the consequences of sin and death just so that we can become trapped by new kinds of bondage. 
As Christians, we need to ask ourselves, will this trap me? Will this enslave me? Is this the thing really profitable and good for my spiritual life? The Corinthians' second argument was that food for the stomach and the stomach for food. Like food is meant for our bodies and our bodies are meant for food. They treated sex as an appetite that is meant to be satisfied and not as a gift to be cherished and to be used carefully. If you think about it, sensuality is to sex what gluttony is to eating. Both can bring horrible consequences. Just because we have normal, God-given desires doesn't mean that we need to give in to them and always need to satisfy them. Sex outside of marriage can be destructive, while sex inside of marriage can be wonderful and beautiful. There may be excitement and enjoyment outside of marriage, and that's part of the whole lure and attractiveness, but there isn't any actual enrichment. It's like robbing a bank. You get something, but it's not actually yours, and down the road, you'll have to pay for it. Sex within marriage can be like someone putting money into the bank. There's safety, security, and in the end, it collects dividends. I'm not perfect, and I'm not trying to say that I am, and I've had to learn this lesson in time with my own husband, and finally grasping this lesson that God's been trying to teach me ever since I became a Christian has been very liberating. At first, I thought this law that God had was so restricting, but I can honestly say that I prefer God's way than the world's way, because I can definitely say that sex within marriage and keeping it there is what keeps a relationship strong. I only wish that I had understood and accepted it sooner, and I honestly hope that today, whoever's listening also sees the value in what God is trying to say here. Moving on, let's read verses 15 to 18, and it says this, Don't you know that your bodies are a part of the body of Christ? Is it right for me to join part of the body of Christ to a prostitute? No, it isn't. Don't you know that a man who does that becomes a part of her body? The scriptures say, The two of them will become like one person, but anyone who is joined to the Lord is one in spirit with him. Don't be immoral in matters of sex. As a Christian, their body is a member of Christ. So how can we be joined to Jesus and joined to sin at the same time? Some of the Corinthians didn't see any harm in visiting the temple prostitutes at the temple of Aphrodite. But let's be very clear here. Jesus Christ bought us with a price, and that price was his life. He died for us, and therefore our bodies belong to him. If we begin each day by surrendering ourselves, every part of ourselves, to Jesus, it makes a huge difference to how you go about your day and the decisions that you make with your body that day. Paul goes back and talks about Genesis, the start of creation, and he explains the seriousness of sexual sin. When a man and a woman join their bodies, the entire personality is involved. There's a deep experience that's happening. They're becoming one, and that brings a deep and lasting consequence. Paul says that sexual sin is the most serious sin a person can commit against their own body because it involves the whole person. Sex within marriage is an enriching experience of growth because it's based on commitment. When two people get married, they're laying a strong foundation on which to build. Marriage protects sin and lets the couple who are committed to each other to grow in this beautiful experience. Now let's read verses 19 and 20. You surely know that your body is a temple where the Holy Spirit lives. The Spirit is in you and is a gift from God. You are no longer your own. God paid a great price for you, so use your body to honour God. So God the Father created our bodies. God the Son, Jesus, redeemed them and made them part of his body. And God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives within our bodies and makes them the temple of God. So again, how can we defile God's temple by using our bodies for wrong things? 
Each Christian is a member of the body of Christ, united with Jesus. So the conduct of individual members affects the spiritual life of the entire church. The lesson of this chapter is very clear. We're to glorify God with and in our bodies. The Holy Spirit was given to us for the purpose of enabling us to glorify Jesus Christ. The Spirit can use our bodies to glorify Him and declare His goodness. Our special relationship with the Holy Spirit brings a special responsibility. The entire Godhead is involved in what we do with our bodies. Sexual sin affects the whole personality. There's emotional, physical, and eternal consequences to this. Paul says twice that the people who practice these things will not share in God's kingdom. To be blunt, that means that they're not going to heaven. That's not meant to scare you or anything or offend you. It's just showing you the reality of the word here. Just getting by and saying you're a good person won't get you to heaven, which is why we must remember the grace of God and remember that it can change our lives. We really need it. Faith in Jesus makes us into a new person and a new creation, and it's important that we live like those who are a part of God's new creation. We are not our own. We belong to the Father who made us, the Son who redeemed us, and the Spirit that lives in us. We belong to the people of God, the church, and our sins can weaken the testimony and infect the fellowship. So to wrap this up, just because society encourages sexual sin doesn't mean that it's good for you. If you're a Christian, not only isn't it good for you, but it isn't a good testimony for the faith and for the body of Christ. Just because everyone's doing it doesn't mean that you need to as well. I've said it before, but the gospel isn't just an old book that teaches us how to be good people. It is God's amazing and powerful way of saving everyone who has faith in Him, no matter who you are. Jesus Christ changes people's lives. He gives us a fulfilling and satisfying life. We should live our lives for Him and to glorify the amazing things that He's done in our lives. So if you're hearing this podcast and you're feeling like God is stirring something within your heart, why don't you pray this prayer with me? Just repeat it after me or just say, yes, me too, God. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I've been living a double life. I've been trying to have one foot in the world and one foot in yours. I am sorry and I want to trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love, grace, and forgiveness for me, and I ask that you will be the Lord of my life. Open my heart, soften my heart, and enable me to walk in your way. Help me to overcome my sin with the reality of your grace, and with your help, Holy Spirit, help me to show others what you're really like and how great your love is. I surrender to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I just want to say congratulations. You are a new creation and you are not defined by your mistakes or your past. And today is a brand new day for you. Please let me know if you made a commitment to Jesus or maybe have renewed your commitment to him. You can get in touch with me either on the blog, rachelmelema.tumblr.com forward slash ask or on social media channels. I can't wait for next week's episode and I really hope you that you enjoyed today's episode as well. I hope you have a fun and joy-filled week and I will see you next time. Bye!